there and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Now, our new series is looking at Ephesians. Who's ever read Ephesians? Who loves reading Ephesians? Ah, good. That's really positive. Uh, who feels like you've read Ephesians so many times there can't be anything new for you in it? Good. I'm glad that nobody answered that one. Uh, we're going to spend six weeks as a church looking at the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're going to go chapter by chapter. I would say verse by verse, but that will take us literally years. And uh, whilst Ephesians, you really could do that, we're not going to do that. Um, but this morning, I get to kick us off. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 1. Now, if you've got your Bible, please turn to it. Um, we're gonna, we are going to blast through this chapter. And when I was talking to Mike this morning, he went, there's no way you can cover a whole chapter in one sermon. But we're going to do it. Hopefully. Uh, here's a bit of backstory to Ephesians, if you don't know what it is. Uh, Ephesians is a letter written by Paul to the church in Ephesus. Everybody say Ephesus. Um, here's a difference in this letter compared to all the other letters that we find in the Bible. And here's something that I learned when I was studying it. Ephesians is the only letter that, whilst it was written to a church, wasn't solely written to that church. What that means is it was written with the purpose of then being spread out from Ephesus to all the other churches. Whereas if you read the books of Corinthians, Thessalonians, um, Philippians, I'm not going to go to all of Colossians, um, all those letters are specifically written to the church and something that they're going through. The church in Ephesus isn't the case. This book is written for all of us, just sent to the church in Ephesus first. Does that make sense? So here's what I found in my study. The first two verses in it, in most old manuscripts, actually aren't there. It's been added in by the, by the writers that translated it from the original Greek or whatever it was into English. Bit of, bit of knowledge for you. So your general knowledge for when you're in that, um, in that quiz later on in the pub, because of course it's going to come up, you're going to be one up. Feel like you've learned something? Great. <laughs> um, before we go any further, I'm, I'm really aware that there's a lot of stuff in this. And um, if, we don't, if I don't get this right, it can become really confusing. I know uh, the truth is, I'm not going to get all of this right. So, would you just pray with me for a second? Uh, Father God, I thank you so much that this book that you've given us is living and is alive today. And so, even though many of us have read this before, there is going to be something new in it this morning. And I pray that as we try to unpack this and make sense of what is written, God, would you help the right words come out, but also help our hearts receive what it is that you want to say to us. Uh, we fully believe that you are trying to speak to us as a church, trying to speak to us as individuals. And so this morning, we are open, we're ready to receive what you've got to say to us, and we're excited as well. And if you agree, say amen. amen. Lovely stuff. Right. We are going to read through Ephesians, but we're going to read it in some blocks. Because uh, what I think has happened in this start of the letter from Paul to the church is he's gone really hard at some things. But it's essential that we get this in order to move forward. And so we're going to read it in some chunks that I think uh, it's been written in. And I'm going to try and explain a little bit as we go through each chunk. Is that okay? 
So the first chunk that we're going to read is from verse 3 through to verse 6. And it is going to come up on the screen behind me if you don't have your Bible. But here is what it says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a way to start. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In these three verses, Paul is addressing one of the hardest topics to get your head around when it comes to the Bible, and it's predestination. Now, this could be like a five-week series in itself, but we're going to try and cover what he's talking about in this really quickly, okay? Um, Predestination is this. Uh, Everything that you're ever going to experience, God planned long before you were even born. You have no choice. It's going to happen whether you like it or not. And no matter what happened long before, what was predestined for you is going to happen. Who thinks that sounds like a good way to live? Okay. Who thinks that sounds really rubbish if you're predestined to have a really rubbish life? Who thinks that makes no sense whatsoever? How can we have free choice and choose to love Jesus if we're predestined whether or not we're going to love him? And yes to all of those things. (laughs) But here's what I think he's saying in, in these verses particularly. I don't think it's saying that um, it, you have no free will. Because if that was the case, then what's the point in living? Uh, I don't think he's saying that because if that was the case, then God would never choose to be in relationship with us because he'd be like the dictator that says, do this, do that, do the other, and you have no real free choice in it. If that were the case, and God had his own way, or his master plan was that we were all predestined in one way or the other, there wouldn't be a reason for a church and for us to go and share the gospel because everybody, according to God's perfect plan, would be predestined for eternity with him. Which to me sounds amazing. And yet, right at the beginning of creation, man messed all of God's predestination up because God gave us free will as well. So uh, in this, God's master plan was that we would be holy and blameless in everything that we do, and that would lead us to everlasting life, which sounds great. But the predestination that we actually live in is this, that that holy and blameless life is there for us if we choose to follow Jesus, if we make a a commitment to live according to what he's called us to, if we make a decision in him that we want to follow Jesus. And so, is predestination a thing? Yes, it is. But we're predestined through Jesus. We're not just predestined for something. Does that make sense? And if that makes sense, I've done an excellent job. Or God is really speaking to you, thank you, Jesus. So part one of Ephesians is trying to address the biggest topic in the world and nail it in like three verses, which I think Paul does pretty well. And I've just tried to explain it. But here's, here's the, the thing, the key theme for us to take away from that is that we are predestined through Jesus. Got it? Ephesians 1, 3 to 6, we are predestined through Jesus. And what we find as we read through Ephesians 1 is that we go on a bit of a journey. So point one is predestination. Point two brings us to this point that we are redeemed through Jesus. Now, if you've met, encountered Jesus, if you've chosen to follow him, you'll know that redemption is the best gift that we've ever received. And this is what it says. 
from verse 7 to verse 10. It's going to come up behind me. Through his blood. Oh, no. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. We're redeemed through Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Because without him, we are doomed to an eternity of darkness. And I know that sounds really deep and heavy, but that's literally what the Bible tells us. Because if you don't choose to live with God, then you're destined to be away from God. And what the Bible says is that with God is good and glorious and excellent, but without him, can't really put into words what life without God looks like in eternity. You can try, and Revelation does a really good job of it, but that's really heavy. And, and not really where we're going to go this morning because it will take too long. Uh, but the good news is that we're redeemed through Jesus. That through his blood, we're rescued and redeemed to the path that God originally planned for us. So, so through Jesus, through the redemption that we receive through him because of the cross, we get back onto that path of predestination to blamelessness and holiness and eternity with God. Thank you, Jesus. Through the redemption that we see through what Jesus did, come the end of the earth, which we are not a hell and damnation church. We're not going to stand here and preach, ah, the end is coming, the end is nigh. You've probably all heard those preachers on the street corners. We're, we're not going to do that. But the truth is that the end times are near. Jesus is going to come back again. And I'm, hear me right, I'm so excited for that day to come because I can't wait to be in eternity with him. I can't wait to have those moments when all that I do is just stand there and sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Spend every moment in his presence with people that are all like-minded. But through him, we have that opportunity. We're rescued and redeemed to the path that God originally planned for us. And incredibly, we're not only redeemed and rescued, but we're then adopted into his family that we might be one in unity under him, is what Ephesians say, that come the end of it, we will all be united as one. Galatians 4 verse 5 and Romans 8 15 talk about how we are adopted into his family. We become sons and daughters of the living God. That's quite incredible. And, um, and, and this morning on Father's Day, uh, it's, the heart of a father isn't based on biology. You can be a, a biological father and be a really rubbish dad. Some of you may have experienced that. Some of you may know stories of that. Um, if you are a dad, maybe sometimes you feel like that. But I want to tell you this morning, you're not. You're doing a great job. <laughs> you're doing a great job, even when you scream at your kids. Uh, but to be adopted for me, is like something a little bit different because it's not just that you, you're given the opportunity to love, but you're choosing to love. And, and the story of adoption through the Bible is that God doesn't have to love us. He chooses to love us despite all the rubbish that we do, despite all the times that we 
put forward and stick our fingers up at him and say, it's all right, God, I've got this on my own. And he goes, good luck. Maybe as a kid, you've done that to your own dad and you think, oh, I really needed your help then. Uh, Maybe as a parent, you think, if only you knew. And yet this God above all the earth, over everything, chooses to love us and adopt us into his family. So we're predestined through Jesus. We're then redeemed through what he did on the cross. But then as we're adopted into his family, that then leads us to the next step, which is where we gain the inheritance from Jesus or inheritance with Jesus. Because as sons and daughters of the living God, that means that we get the inheritance. And the Bible says that God is the king over everything. Everything is under his rule, which means that as his sons and daughters, as we are adopted into him, we also have that right to all of those things. Uh, Do you ever feel like you don't have enough? In this climate, I think most people often feel like that. Um, And yet the Bible says that God is the God of a thousand, he owns a thousand sheep on the hills. And we have the inheritance of that. He's in control of everything. And yet we look at our small situation and think, how can that possibly be? And yet God says, oh, no, that's easy. And almost could snap his fingers and everything changes. And we have that inheritance through him. Uh, Ephesians 1, 11 to 14 says this. Told you we're going to fly through this and try and nail it. In him we are also chosen. We'll settle on that for a second. We're chosen. He's seen everybody and he's looked at you and gone, I picked you. And sometimes we look in the mirrors and think, why me? And God says, because I choose you. You think, ah, I don't have enough hair to be chosen. He loves you even if you're bald. (laughs) Sometimes you think, how can you love me, God? Why would you choose me? Do you not know? And he goes, no, I know everything. And yet, I still choose you. Uh, with the kids, we found ourselves watching Disney films. I'm reliving my childhood. I actually love Disney films. I always have. Um, but one of Harry's favorites is Lilo and Stitch. Does everybody know what Lilo and Stitch is before I go here? No. Okay. Uh, the story of Lilo and Stitch is um, a young girl in Hawaii is orphaned. She lives with her older sister, who's much older, like a 19-year-old sister, six-year-old daughter. Um, They feel like something in their family is missing, and therefore they go to adopt a dog, because a dog makes everything better. Always. (laughs) Um, But where Stitch comes in is Stitch um, is an alien. He's a a little creature. He's blue and purple. He's got six arms, little antennae. Uh, Yeah, he's quite cute in an ugly way. (laughs) Um, But they adopt this alien because they think he's a dog, like he finds a way to be adopted into the family, and... And you walk in, so the story is Lilo walks into the kennel, looks around, and there's loads of dogs all carrying away, and they're cute, and it's like, ah, oh, he's fluffy, he's, he's loving, he's got his little tongue hanging out, and then there's Stitch, and Stitch is ugly. Stitch is a bit of a nightmare. They don't really know what Stitch is. Is he a dog? Is he not a dog? Who, who really knows? And yet Lilo walks in and goes, I want that one. And the owner of the kennel goes, are you really sure you want that one? And she says, yes. And the owner of the store says, but he's dangerous. And she says, I don't care. I want that one. Right. Now, move on. Um, As you go through the story, you come to realize that they form this really close friendship. 
uh, in Hawaiian, they say, Ohana, Ohana means family, and family means nobody gets left behind. Um, or forgotten. But they choose Stitch, despite him being weird, despite him being ugly, despite him being everything that he shouldn't be. And I think sometimes that's how I feel. I think, if we're honest, sometimes that's how we all feel. We, we feel like we can't be chosen. We're not worthy to be chosen. We're not the right person to be chosen for that task. We're not... Whatever label you put on yourself, you think, surely not me, God. You can't be choosing me. And this letter, this verse tells us that we are chosen. You are chosen by God. And I don't know who needs to hear that this morning. It's not in my plans to say it, but just feel there's something on it. You're chosen by him. Whether you believe it or not, he's saying, hey, I want you. I want you. I want you. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you are also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. The gospel of your salvation when you believed you were marked with him. In, marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. To the praise of his glory. A lot in there. What does that mean? We've inherited the greatest gift of all. We've inherited a mark that says we are his. People will look at you and say, there is something different about you. And you look at them and say, yes, it's Jesus. But when you say that, they say, don't be stupid. That doesn't make that much difference. This literally tells you the opposite and says it does. Because you've been marked when you choose him with a seal. And with that seal comes the Holy Spirit, which changes everything in your life. I think I was talking to Andy recently, and he said, some friends of his said, there's something different about you. I can't tell you what it is. But how encouraging is it that when he's in you and when people really spend time around you, they notice the difference. So, so let me ask you, when's the last time that somebody said to you, hey, you're a bit different, what's going on? And you've gone, ah, no, I'm not different at all. Or are you the person that goes, oh, let me tell you, let me tell you why I'm different, it's, it's Jesus. Because I'll be honest, I'm rubbish at that. People say you're different, I'm like, I'm not that different to you. I don't want to be noticed as somebody that stands out, and yet, really, I do, because I want people to recognize Jesus in me, so I need to be better at that. I wonder, is that you too? And because in my inheritance as his son, I should be recognized. People are constantly telling Emily and I how much our kids look like us. Whenever they meet Zoe for the first time, they say, oh, she's a little guy. And I think, Zoe, I'm really sorry that people are going to be saying that (laughs) for a long time to come. But they recognize there's something about her that means that she... Hear me? Belongs to me. They see the Williams in Harry and says, oh, Emily, he looks like you and you today. No, he looks like his granddad. But they recognize the mark. There's something in it that looks like. And how much more should we look like God? That doesn't mean our physical attributes, otherwise we'd all look like each other. And for some of us in this room, that would be a good thing. For others, maybe not so much. Um, But if we look like God in our characteristics, if we're loving, if we're joyful we're faithful, if we show signs of self-control, people are going to recognize in us that we belong to him. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want. 
And through Jesus, that's what we can inherit. We can inherit the Holy Spirit. And then Holy Spirit equips us for everything that we are going to do moving forward. And that's what the last thing is. Through Jesus, we're resourced for what we've been called to. And Paul finishes his letter with this encouragement. Uh, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That's nice to hear, isn't it? Imagine if Mike wrote to you every, mor- every, every morning and said, every morning I think of you and I thank God for you. He says he does that. <laughs> and I genuinely believe that he does. When I look across this room, I thank God for you. Thank God for you. Thank God for you. Because without you, where would we be? I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the glorious inheritance in his holy people. Uh, I've missed a bit. That you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And is it, and, and, and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him fills everything in every way we're going to break this down a little bit just quickly i keep asking that the god of our lord jesus christ the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation okay the truth is that when you were received by jesus when you came to his feet and submitted yourself to him you were given the tools that you need for the works that he's called you when the holy spirit was imparted into you all of a sudden you became equipped I had this idea in my prep, and I forgot all about it, that I was going to bring a toolbox. And the truth is that every toolbox that you see will always have probably four things in. A screwdriver, whether it's the right screwdriver that you need or not. (laughs) A hammer, because who knows that a hammer fixes everything. Uh, Some pliers. And some kind of spanner, whether it's an adjustable one or if you... If you're well equipped in maintenance, you'll have the right sizes for what you need. And then if you're like Andy and Barry, you've probably got a massive toolbox full of more stuff that you need. And everything in between. But the truth is that when you came to Jesus, when you were equipped by him, through him, it's like God imparted all these tools into you. When I moved out of my house, I was given a toolbox by my dad. He said, here's everything that you're going to need. Stop robbing my tools. That didn't stop because I then just go and ask him for a drill. (laughs) But the truth is that like like me as I moved out of my house, when you made that decision, God went, oh, you're so welcome into my family. Now here's everything that you're going to need. And you might sometimes find yourself in positions going, I'm not equipped for this. And God says, yes, you are. Just look a bit deeper. Sometimes you look in your toolbox and you go, oh, I need a, here's my work situation, okay? Ah, I need a 10 mil spanner. That screw is, uh, that that bolt is 10 mils and I need it. Where's it gone? 
And I asked the guys that I work with, and they say, I've not used it. They blatantly have. They've just left it somewhere else in the workshop. And so it's not that the tool isn't there. It's that I just have to go find it. And sometimes I think that's what we're like. And God goes, hey, I've given you what you need. Just go and find it. And if you can't find it, dig a bit deeper. And if you still can't find it, ask your wife, and she'll find it for you. (laughs) And if she can't find it, maybe I haven't given it to you. But that's not how God works. So therefore... (laughs) What you need is in you. If you don't feel like it's there yet, just start digging. Sweep the stuff away. Move the wrong stuff and find the right stuff because it's there waiting for you. And then it finishes with this. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. So God appointed Jesus as the head, the one he raised from the dead, the one that at every... At his name, every knee will bow and confess that he's Lord. He's the one that has all power. And he's the one that sat at the very head. And then the church is his body. And do you know what the church is? You and me. And so we, as the body of Christ, have a responsibility to do. Because the body doesn't get to just be still and allow the head to do everything. Because you'd always be in one place. You'd never move. The head can can turn, but it can't really do a lot more. It thinks. But it needs an arm to be able to put a nail into a wall. It needs a leg to be able to go from place A to place B. It needs the mouth to be able to speak. It needs the eyes to see. It needs needs the body. And so, church, we've we've got a responsibility. And I think this is what... The start of Ephesians is beginning to tell us, and we're going to dive into this a bit further over the next few weeks, but this is what it's telling us. You're predestined for a life with Jesus, and when you choose him, we get to live there. You're adopted into his family, and he loves you, and he chooses you every single time. And because you're adopted, you get the inheritance that comes with that, and he's equipped you for the good works that are to come. And, and the rest of Ephesians is going to begin to challenge us on where we're going and what we're doing. But this morning, as we, as we finish looking at chapter one in a very, very fast way, here's what I want to encourage you with. You're predestined for him. You're redeemed through Jesus. You get the inheritance that comes from being his son. And you're already equipped for what you need to do. And wherever you find yourself on that journey, because I I know that there will be some people this morning that are just trying to wrap their head around that predestination thing and say, hey, Jesus, I want to be with you, but, and it's a big but, I'm a long way away from you. Well, the next step is to go, well, there's redemption through Jesus. And that redemption is available for every single one of us. What that looks like is coming to the feet of Jesus and saying, here I am. I'm sorry, I'm a mess. I am. But in my mess, you can be made perfect and and choosing to believe that he died for you to take away the sins that you might be able to lead a blameless life. When we're redeemed through Jesus, we then get the inheritance that is for us. And through that inheritance, we're then equipped. And I don't know where you're at on your journey. You might be right at the beginning of it saying, I don't really get this, but I want a relationship with Jesus. Hey, that, that's on offer for you today. You might have been doing this walk with Jesus for years and years and years. And years and years. And you've never really understood that that thought of being chosen by him because it doesn't make sense that he would choose you. Well, this morning, 
I, I want to give you the opportunity to, to believe that, for that to become a bit of truth within you, that you've been chosen by him. And if all of that, you, you've, you've done that and you feel like, yeah, okay, then it's time to realize that you've been equipped and resourced for the good work that he's called you to. And if you think I've not found it yet, then dig a bit deeper and find it. Wherever you're at this morning, if you, if you can like, identify that, then I'd, I'd love to just pray for us as a church because this is going to be a, a good journey for us. Going through this book, it's going to be excellent for us. Um, and like I said at the beginning, I genuinely believe that if you've read this a million times, there's going to be something new for you in this series. But I want to pray that we wouldn't just miss the start of it. That we become so focused on what is to come that we miss this right at the beginning. Because I think if we miss this, then the rest is good. But we've, we've missed the fundamentals. So where you're at, would you close your eyes for a second? I'm just going to pray over us. really feel like there's something on that chosen word and uh, I think it would be wrong for us to leave this morning without giving an opportunity to respond to that and so, so here's what I want to do uh, I believe there are people in this room that feel like God could never choose to use me and I don't know why that is you might feel like you're too broken you're too messed up you're too far away you've said no to him too many times but this morning I, I want you to know that God's chosen you, and it doesn't matter how many times you say no or how often you tell him why he shouldn't, he will still choose you. And if that's you this morning, I'd love to just pray, I'd love to pray this over you, that you would begin to believe in yourself in the same way that God believes in you. That all the reasons that you put up to fight him would, would become something of your past, that you begin to speak out what he speaks over you. And uh and I'd love to pray that over you right now. If that's you, would you just raise your hand in the air just so I know who I'm praying for? That's cool. Father, I thank you that you choose us no matter where we're at. That when we come into a relationship with you, even if we don't see it in ourselves, you see all that you have for us. And particularly this morning, for those that have responded to this, would you begin to replace those negative thoughts, begin to replace the, the feelings that you can't use us with, with the thoughts that you speak over us, that you love us, that you choose us, that you don't care about the stuff that we can't do, you care about the stuff that we can, and that, that despite all of those things, you still choose to love us, you still choose to use us, you still choose us to be adopted into your family. Help us, Father, to live in that truth afresh. And for us as a wider church, Father, this morning, uh, as we've blitzed through this, this chapter, God, let something that has been spoken become like a seed in our hearts. Let it settle, begin to water it in us, that as it grows, we would see something growing within us that is of you, Father. Help us. For those of us that feel like we're just beginning this journey of understanding relationship with you, 
draw us closer, God. We, we, we want to know you better. For those of us feeling like we're just starting on this journey, then we are so excited for what it means to be a part of your family. And for those of us that for a long time have been saying, God, here I am, use me, but give me the tools. Help us find those within us because they're already there. Just, just point them out to us. Like, Shine the light over the areas that we need to focus on, I pray. Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're going to close the service in a second with a song. But um, let me encourage you this week, uh, why not read ahead? Why not read the next chapter of Ephesians and see what God's speaking about to you? Because the truth is, when we preach, we're preaching from the revelation that God's given us. But this word that is from God can change so drastically for every person. And I believe that God has got a word for you in every chapter. And it's not wrong to read ahead. You're not going to ruin next week's message if you get something from God. In fact, maybe it will confirm something in you. And you'll go, oh, wow, God, that really is you. Or maybe you'll come in and get revelation of something different from somebody else. And that's just as cool, right? So this week, why not spend some time reading Ephesians 2 and get yourself ready for, for the word that Mike's going to bring next week. But what we're going to do now is we're going to finish just with some of... Some of, the, some of the words that we sang earlier. So why not stand to your feet, join with the band as they lead us in this moment of response.